Welcome back, Bible readers. This is the Rooted Podcast, and this is week number 29. This week we'll be working through Proverbs, a large part of it, Proverbs chapter 7 through Proverbs chapter 29. And last week we left off with chapter 6, and so this week we'll start up with chapter 7 of the book of Proverbs. Now once again in chapter 7, Solomon urges his son to give heed to the teachings of his parents and to embrace wisdom as the best choice. And Solomon takes some preemptive actions, we might say, by dramatizing uh, what it might be like on the streets for his son as the immoral woman here brings out her full arsenal of temptation, you know, a sensual assault, lies to ease his conscience, flattery, uh, the reassurance of safety. And then finally, it seems like she goes in for the kill. And as this chapter kind of closes, Solomon offers three important points. We might call this a threefold defense against the um, immoral woman against the temptations of this immoral woman. First, he says, guard your heart, verse 25. You are in danger when you start to long for it. Second, guard your body, verse 25. This means simply just get away from the person. And then third, guard your future, verses 26 and 27. Remember that the consequences, uh, remember the consequences of your actions, excuse me. All actions have consequences. And so Solomon gives advice to his son by kind of, um, uh, putting a fictitious story out there saying, this is what it's going to look like. This is what's going to happen. And you need to avoid that. Use wisdom, he says. Now in chapter eight, we get a better picture of Lady Wisdom. We talked about her earlier last week. And this is the longest sustained personification in the Bible. Um, and really, this is a defense of the value of wisdom and what it can do for us. Um, verses one to five, wisdom is to be every person's guide. Verses 6 through 11, wisdom is to be morality's partner, helps you in making moral decisions. Wisdom is the key to success, verses 14 to 21. Wisdom was an essential part of creation, Solomon reminds us in verses 22 to 31. And then wisdom is one essential necessity of life. You have to have wisdom, Solomon says. And so we get a better picture of Lady Wisdom there in chapter 8 of Proverbs. As we've moved into chapter 9, Solomon sets us uh, sets up one more comparison between wisdom and folly. Verses 1 through 6, Lady Wisdom has kind of set a banquet for those who would come and eat her food and drink the wine that she has mixed. In doing so, one will learn to have good judgment in life. At the end of the chapter in verses 13 to 18, Folly's feast, or the foolish person's feast, is set up. And those who partake of her feast lack good judgment in life. And in between these two sections is verses 7 through 12, and it's much like a montage of the father's advice to his son. And these verses are the most important ones of the chapter, because if a person is open to God and teachable, he will become wise. But if he does not accept this instruction and closes his mind, he becomes a fool. So what Solomon's saying is that what truly separates wisdom from folly is a person's teachable spirit. So now looking at chapters 1 through 9 as a whole, as we have seen, they contain discourses or talks that Solomon wrote, urging his sons to choose the way of wisdom for their lives. But now as we look at chapter 10, we begin the part of the book that sets forth what the wise way is in a variety of life situations. What does it look like? And so in chapters 10 through 15, there are 184 Proverbs. In chapters 16 through 22, there are 191, making a total of 375. That's a lot of Proverbs. 375 Proverbs in chapters 10 through 12, excuse me, 10 through 22. That's just a few. 
Remember, because Solomon wrote 3,000 Proverbs. That's just a few of his Proverbs. According to 1 Kings chapter 4, verse 32, he wrote 3,000 of them. Now, we don't have near the time to go and discuss all 375 Proverbs, but let me give you a couple of keys to understanding the sections and help you with reading well as we kind of work our way through these chapters. In chapters 10 through 22, most of the Proverbs here are one verse long. Um and contain two lines each. They're called couplets. The second line compares, contrasts, or completes the ideas expressed in the first line. Uh, For example, in chapters 10 through 15, most couplets contain opposing ideas in marked contrast. And most of the time you'll see the keyword but um, for these types of contrasts, like key conjunction but. But then as you move into chapters 16 through 22, the couplets are more synonymous or the same idea restated in different words. Um, these proverbs usually have the keyword and. And it's interesting that most of the time, these couplets or proverbs have no logical connections with what immediately precedes or follows it. So sometimes it's hard to establish a context. And so, you know, I've often asked the question, I'm not the first one, but why not arrange them topically? It might be a lot easier for us to follow them, right? Well, one author made a really good point. He said, as we read Proverbs chapter by chapter, the Spirit of God has the freedom to teach us about many subjects, and we never know from day to day which topic we'll need the most. So if you like variety, then Proverbs is the book that you need to read. All right, as we continue, let's look at chapter 10. And chapter 10 is a contrast between the wise and the foolish. The wise is promised prosperity. The foolish is promised poverty. Solomon also compared their speech, fools blabber nonsense, while the wise have good sense. This thought is followed with an additional proverb dealing with the benefit of wise speech. You know, a high premium is placed on the words of the righteous, whereas the fool's words have no value. Now, the bulk of chapter 11 concerns things that are abhorrent to God, you know, like unfair business practices, slanderous speech, disrespect to others, cruelty, perversity, immorality. On the other hand, virtues like discretion, liberality, and righteousness, those kinds of things are extolled in this chapter. Chapter 12 deals with matters between the righteous and the wicked, and that first part of the chapter is focused on the root of righteousness. The righteous man is seen as one who is rooted, and he is rooted because he has grown and he has matured. But that maturity doesn't come easily. It comes with discipline, and that's what a righteous person does best. And because of this discipline, the righteous man will, according to verse 13 of chapter 12, he will escape trouble. And so from verses 13 to 23, we are shown how a righteous man escapes trouble, but how a foolish man does not. Now, moving into chapter 13, Solomon seems to add a little more to the Proverbs. And what I mean by this is that many in this chapter in 13 emphasize the results of wise living. Not that you simply should do it or what it looks like, but the results of doing it. This does not mean that the other Proverbs don't emphasize the fruit of wise living. I'm just simply pointing this out. This section in chapter 13 has a lot about the fruit of wise living. It makes us see that there is value and reward for living wisely, just like there's no value and no reward for living foolishly. Now, the Proverbs in chapter 14 continue this theme of the results of the fruits of living wisely. And very prominent in this chapter is the appearance of five universal sayings. And these are called universal because 
Um, each proverb applies to all people, whether wise or foolish. So if you want to study that on your own in more depth in chapter 14, that's verses 10, 13, 20, 23, and 28. And they contain these five universal proverbs. Now, as you move into chapter 25, it carries on the theme again, the fruits of living wisely. It also has some more universal proverbs. In chapter 15, you can look at verses 13, 23, and 30, and those are the universal sayings. Now also, if you notice closely as you read through chapter 15, the phrase, the Lord, appears many times in this chapter. But in the next chapter, it shows up many more times. So just an interesting key thought there as you read through chapter 15. All right, let's move to chapter 16. And chapter 16 through 22 contain, again, that practical theme of chapters 10 through 15, but the style is different. Remember, the earlier chapters, 10 to 15, were contrasting Proverbs, using that key conjunction, but. And now the Proverbs in chapters 16 through 22 are more synonymous, using the key conjunction, and. So in essence, these Proverbs are saying the same thing in both lines, just using different synonyms or words so that might appeal better to the person or so that they might understand it better. There's no harm in using a synonym or another word to help a person understand it better. So we can group this entire section, chapter 16 through 22, under the general heading of how to please God. I think that's probably the best way to look at it. In chapter 16, trust is how we please God. We are to trust the Lord as king and sovereign over all mankind. The wise man depends on the Lord and not his own resources, but a proud person does not trust this way, and he sets himself up for destruction as a result. Only those who trust in God can find true happiness. Now in chapters 17 and 18, how we please God is to be a good friend. And these chapters deal with the perennial issues of friendship. You know, one of the most difficult issues in life is how to respond to a friend's failure to be a friend, to be one. You know, we might gloss over the problem and avoid it, or we might harp on them constantly and risk losing them. Both extremes, though, are to be avoided. A friend is a true friend when they go with you through thick and thin. Knowing when to be silent and when to speak is an important quality of a friend. And a friend is hard to find. And those who accumulate many friends, like a possession, will soon discover that this leads to no friends at all. A true friend will often prove themselves to be more loyal than one's own family or relative, we're told. Now we continue the theme of how to please God, but the next few chapters, 19 through 22, are not organized around a main thought or theme. I guess we might just say these chapters provide further advice on how to please God. But there are some key words throughout this section, words like heart, speech, daily walk, uh, the Lord, judgment, wisdom, evil, and possessions. In chapter 19, we find Proverbs about the poor man, uh, the good man, uh, and uh, some Proverbs about counsel and discipline. In chapter 20, we find Proverbs about the prudent person, Proverbs about our words and deeds, Proverbs about honesty, Proverbs about man's steps in the Lord's direction. In chapter 21, we find Proverbs about the sovereignty of the Lord, about violence and wickedness, about terror for the unrighteous and treasure for the righteous. In chapter 22, there are Proverbs about the reward and consequences of things and Lastly, in chapter 22, as chapter 22, verse 16 ends that section, there are four sinful ways to be avoided. Now, as we come to chapter 22, verse 16, we end the Proverbs of Solomon, specifically as it's stated. These one-verse maxims that Solomon observes are ways to please the Lord, and we are encouraged to apply the instruction that we've received. Maybe think of our progress this way. Chapters 1 through 9 tell us, 
who the truly wise man is and the general value of wisdom. While chapters 10 through 22 verse 16, what we just talked about, are examples of how the wise man should live. And now, from chapter 22, verse 17, through the end of chapter 24, we're encouraged to apply wisdom to our lives. What does this look like? How are we supposed to apply it? And so chapter 22, verse 17 through 21 is an introduction of sorts to this new section on application. These verses simply exhort the reader to respond to them positively. And so after this introduction, we're told what we should avoid. We should avoid things like evil associations, reckless finances, theft, evil desire, reckless speech. Then starting at 23 verse 12, we are told what we should embrace. We should embrace things like a wise heart, right speech, a fear of the Lord, clean associations, obedience and respect, and truth and wisdom. And then beginning at 23, verse 26, we're introduced to two snares or two things that can ruin the path of the wise. And Solomon says these two things are prostitution and drunkenness. These two things can ruin it. Then in chapter 24, the first 22 verses here, we have another discussion about wisdom and folly. And lastly, beginning at 24, verse 23, and to the end of the chapter, we're given some further sayings of the wise. Now, many don't attribute these last few verses of chapter 24 to Solomon, but to other wise people who lived during this time. So that section is more about application than anything else. The next large section in Proverbs is chapters 25 through 29. And as you read the beginning of chapter 25, you find out that Hezekiah's men copied these Proverbs down from Solomon. Hezekiah did not live during the days of Solomon, but nearly 250 years after him. These five chapters contain Proverbs that Hezekiah's staff, we might say, they collected. Again, remember that not all of Solomon's 3,000 Proverbs were written down. This entire section in chapters 25 through 29 is a series of Proverbs describing the godly or wise man and the evil or foolish man using comparative Proverbs and contrasting Proverbs. So this is kind of a collection, I guess, that may have been added at a later time to the collection of Proverbs by Hezekiah. So let's look at them. Chapter 25 are analogies that deal with both wise and foolish conduct. The first part of chapter 25, verses 1 through 10, Solomon deals with matters of kingship. He taught in general that that a king should be wise and not tolerate fools. As God's representatives, they should be highly esteemed by the people. The king should be able to resolve disputes among his citizens. And the second half of chapter 25, we find some similes that describe the godly man and the evil man. A simile, in the case you don't know, is a comparison using the word like or as. Sometimes the best way for us to understand a concept is to make a comparison and contrast of it. This person is like this and not like this. For example, the old adage, he runs like a racehorse. We know that he is not a racehorse. It's his speed that that that, that saying is trying to tell us, is trying to inform us of. Or the adage, it's raining like cats and dogs. We know that cats and dogs don't rain from the sky. The adage is teaching us that the rain is hard and a flooding rain, and a flooding rain has the potential to literally pick up cats and dogs and flood them through the streets like it can a car in a flash flood. Now, chapter 26 is a description of evil men that fall into three categories. We're told the fool. The key words repeated in this section are fool and folly. Then, chapter 26 talks about the sluggard, which is mentioned in all three verses of chapter 26, verses 13 through 16. 
And finally, the scoundrel at the end of chapter 26. Descriptions like meddlers, practical jokers, gossips, hypocrites are all given under this section titled of scoundrels. Now, in chapter 27 is a section of Proverbs loosely tied to the theme of human relationships. The stranger, the friend, the enemy, the resident of the home, the brother, the neighbor, the woman, the fools. These are Proverbs that deal with different relationships that a person has throughout his lifetime. Now, chapter 28, um, these Proverbs are unique in that these are Proverbs related to religion or spirituality. So maybe we should pay some more attention to these ones. There are many references here in this chapter to forsaking the law, keeping the law, seeking the Lord, listening to the law, prayer, confession, etc., In the second half of the chapter, verses 15 to 28 of chapter 28, uh, is a miscellaneous list of Proverbs showing how a person's spiritual position is tested in everyday life. True spirituality will bring forth consistent living as described here in the Proverbs. Now, chapter 29 is the conclusion to these additional sayings of Solomon. And in chapter 29, there are 13 contrasts in this chapter, warning us against ungodly living or commendation praise for living righteously. Now, we're going to stop here for this week because we finished up to the point that we need to talk about through chapter 28. We're going to stop here at chapter 29. Um, But let me encourage you, when you read through the Proverbs this week, the reading might be a little bit difficult, especially as you come to all these one word, one line maxims, these one line sayings. Sometimes you want to stop and and ponder them. And that's great. So take some extra time this week and read through them slowly. Uh, Proverbs is not a large narrative or story. They are short, pithy sayings, each with its own small story. And sometimes you can group several Proverbs together under one main topic, as I've tried to do. Other times they seem random at best. Other times the Proverbs seem to sit with you or might be or might be ones that you can memorize easily. But don't let the randomness distract you or disappoint you because each day God is ready to teach you something brand new from all these Proverbs. And so the way that we mature in life, the way that we mature as Christians is by systematically, sometimes we have a systematic understanding of God's Word and a systematic study of it, and that's the way we mature. And sometimes we mature in just random ways. We learn new things constantly. You come to a Sunday morning worship service, and a pastor preaches from the Word, and he preaches from a text that you never heard from, and you learn something kind of at random. Or he may be going through a series of messages from a particular Bible book where you're learning about a specific topic. That's systematic. What Proverbs is teaching us as well as as we're learning as we read through about the randomness and how the Spirit of God has the ability to teach you new things each and every day. So we're going to stop there for this week. That's all we have. Email any questions to BibleReadingLNBC.org, and I will talk with you all next week.